Welcome to the Disciple Making Disciples podcast conversation number five. We're grateful you're joining us for these conversations, and we hope they're helpful to you as you personally think about what does it look like to live faithfully as a disciple of Jesus in 2021. What does it look like to learn to trust, love, and obey Jesus? And we're not trying to give you the formula on this podcast, and we're not trying to unpack some mystery that has never been known before. We're just trying to give you uh, some food for thought, some ways to think about these things, to help you uh, get to engage with some other members of the church body here at Northwest Community Church around what this looks like in their life. And so with this conversation, we're continuing uh, the unpacking of that definition of a disciple is one who is learning to trust, love, and obey Jesus. And so we talked with Robin Rutledge about what does it mean to trust Jesus. And in this conversation, Ryan Simchenko is continuing his conversation that you heard the beginning of last week with Cameron and Steve by asking them to help him Think through what it looks like to love Jesus. What does it look like to love Jesus more than our family? What does it look like for us to delight in God versus seeing love as a duty? Uh, We are going to hear some great conversation around these ideas. I hope it stirs up more conversations in your home or on the dinner table or in your life group. And we look forward to hearing from you and having that conversation with you. So without further ado, here's Ryan, Cameron, and Steve talking about what does it look like to love Jesus. So as a church, as we've been trying to define what a disciple is, which also helps us when we think about what a disciple is, well then our next question when we talk about how do we make disciples, how do I help somebody kind of do this thing that a disciple is? And we said that a disciple is somebody who is learning to trust Jesus, to love Jesus, and obey Jesus. So trust Jesus, love Jesus, and obey Jesus. And the reason we say learning is because, um, like you guys were talking about in our conversation a second ago, you know, it's not a like a Steve is perfect. Um, though Wendy would argue that Steve is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a, you know Steve is is perfect, and so he knows all of the things, and Cameron knows none of the things, and um, and so it's going to be this very like you know, sensei and then like Padawan learner type of thing. Um, But it's kind of like two brothers that are growing together. And a lot of times, you know, like Steve learns from Cameron, Cameron learns from Steve, and we all learn from each other type of a thing. One big happy family. One big happy family. (laughs) One big sometimes happy family. (laughs) Um, And and we're, we're learning. And that's the point is that it's not about disciple. Being a disciple is not something that you ever... Uh, finish. We're always learning. We're always growing. Um, and so one thing I want to, so what I want to do today is talk a little bit about what does it mean? We, in, in our conversation with Robin Rutledge, we talked about what does it look like to trust Jesus? What does that mean? What does that look like? How do you help somebody do that? And today I just want to spend a few minutes talking with you guys about what does it look like to, to love Jesus? What does that mean? And so let's look at a few verses. Let's first look at uh, John, or 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 
Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So in, in verse 10 it says, what does this mean? And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. What, what do y'all think this means? I think it points to the, the fact that you know, we, didn't, we didn't do anything to deserve God's love. And, you know, God, the other passages that talk about how God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners, he sent his son for us. Um, and it just continues to show that we're only capable of loving God because he first loved us. Yeah, and uh, can, can one of you skip down to verse 19? That's exactly what you were just saying. Um, yeah, Cameron, would you read verse 19? Sure. Uh, 1 John 4, or verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. Yeah. And um, so some people have asked the question, like, and again, it's not a, like, trusting Jesus, loving Jesus, and obeying Jesus. These three things are very interconnected. And so, in a sense, they all, in certain ways, they all kind of run together. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, when we articulate trusting Jesus, loving Jesus, and obeying Jesus, we, we think that trust, trusting Jesus really comes first. And the reason that we say that trusting Je- that you have to trust Jesus before you can love Jesus, uh, the reason that we say that trust is, is, is the priority there is because of this. You know, if I just try to say, um, okay, I'm supposed to love Jesus. Now let me just really try to love him. Um, that doesn't work. That before that, the only way again in the passage we just read, it says that uh, in verse in First John four verse seven, it says uh, the love is from God. So it's not that I am such a loving person and I have all this love and I'm going to go love God and love other people. No, it says like love is love is from God. And then it says that that the whole the whole kind of the whole essence of love is not that I loved God and that's why He saved me. It was that God first loved me, and the only reason that I'm able to love Him is because He loved me first, and then you know He fills me up with love, and now I that love kind of spills over uh, back onto Him and then onto people around me. And so basically, we're saying that. Before we can love Jesus, we have to trust that he loves us. Does that make sense? Yeah. A little bit. That, um, yeah, otherwise it's just going to feel like a command. You know, this thing that you're supposed to do. It it would feel kind of like, have y'all heard about, you know, in the, like in North Korea or something, like when the, when the, the, the dear leader, like the dictator walks down the road, it's like, you know, everybody's forced to, just cry out and say, "Oh, we love you so much!" And like, if you don't, if you don't like, if you don't cheer loud enough, then you get shot, or you, your family gets doesn't get your rice rations or something. You know, like if it's if it's if it's all us loving God, then that's kind of what it's like. 
Does that make sense a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, like like love's only one way. There's no there's not a two way street. Exactly. Yeah, and um, like uh, I think I heard somebody say this way that in a relationship, if you have one person who's a giver and one person who's a taker, well, that's that's called an abusive relationship. <laughs> and our relationship with God, if anything, you know, we we're the abusers because God, you know, God loves and loves and loves and loves. But but eventually, it more and more starts to become a two way street where it's not just Jesus is loving; He's just loving the heck out of me. Um, eventually, that love kind of fills me up, and I respond. And so we say that when we start thinking about love, and if it, whenever it starts to feel like it's a pressure type of a thing, or it's like you know, love Jesus or else, um, then we need to go back to trust and say that the only way I can love Jesus is by trusting in His love. And if I find that I'm not loving Jesus, the 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 solution is not for me just to try harder. But it's for me to go back to Jesus' love for me and trust in Jesus' love for me. And, and then I'll find that love for him naturally kind of coming out of me. Let's look at Matthew 22, 34 through 40. And this is what um, many people call the great commandment. And, yeah, so there's a, the, the Jewish people, they had, they had uh, you know, all these things that Cameron just finished reading and... Uh, and, you know, in Exodus, Leviticus, yeah. like it's all of these laws that they had. And so then this guy comes, this teacher comes and asks Jesus, you know, which is the, of all these laws, you know, what's the most important one? And uh, Steve, can you read that? Yeah. Starting at verse 34. Yep. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, and he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. Okay, so he's saying that if you want to boil down Everything, you know, like you save a lot of time. We were supposed, we need to read the Old Testament for sure, but if you want to boil it down, um, you know, what is it what is it trying to teach us in, in the, the Old Testament law is to love God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. And so rather than worrying about you don't have to constantly be running around worrying about, oh, you know, have I you know, did I give a good burnt offering, you know, have I was my wave offering you know, acceptable. Mm. But it's, no, it's about loving God with all that I am and loving other people. Um, Cameron, would you read, let's, let's go say in Matthew and um, one more verse and then I just want to hear you guys share what do you think it means to, uh, what does it mean to love God? What does it look like? Um, Cameron, can you read Matthew chapter 10 verse 34 through 49? And this is a verse that's, uh, this is kind of a controversial verse. 34 through 39? Yes, Matthew 10, 34 through 49. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against, his, against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And the man's enemies 
will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. What in the world does this mean? <laughs> I guess you can't love your parents. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it seems like, okay, I thought... <laughs> Wait, so don't, don't love my family? Don't love my family? <laughs> yeah, what, what's this, what is this talking about? Why in the world would Jesus say um, that if you love your father or your mother more than me, you're not worthy of me? Well, I think I think it's um, you know looking at the the context of what Jesus is talking about here. Um, I think he's sharing about the persecution that's gonna that's gonna come to those who are following after him, who do love Jesus the way that we're commanded to love him and showing that, um, you know, it's not, not everyone is going to follow after him and there are going to be consequences and hardships that come with being a Christ follower. Um, and I think he's painting a, painting a picture that, um, you know, this is even going to hit close to home. Um, and it can impact relationships that you hold most dear to you and um, because when we think about the Christian faith um, it really hinges on who Jesus is and whether or not we believe who he says he is um, and it can be very divisive <laughs> as as Jesus is pointing out yeah so in what sense might Jesus be someone who separates us because there's other passages like um very famously in the Old Testament, it says that like, when the Messiah comes, he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and turn the hearts of the sons to the fathers. And there's certainly a sense in which Jesus' him coming is going to unify broken families and it's going to bring people together who have estranged relationships. Um, but So what does this mean that he, in, in some senses, in some ways, he might even be, it, it might be divisive? between families I guess like let's say maybe you believe but maybe some of your family does not believe um, that could be divisive they're like you want to be a follower of Jesus but the rest of the of your family does not want to be so I can see that how that can drive a wedge or sep some separation in like a, a family yeah and certainly as followers of Jesus I mean otherwise like I think about um, in in First Corinthians, where it talks about marriage, and it says, you know, that if you know maybe one spouse is a Christian, the other spouse isn't, and it says like, well, if you like, the fact that your spouse does not believe in Jesus is not grounds to you know it's not grounds to leave them. Like Paul okay. says, like, no, you should stay with them and love them if they're willing to stay with you and to continue being married to you. But there were situations. Um, back then, and there's situations today where you know one spouse becomes a, a Christian, and the the spouse who's not a Christian says, "Hey, it, it's either me or Jesus, basically." Mm. And some situations, I mean, I know um, some of my friends, especially in other countries, like some of my uh, my my friends in China who were their families were Buddhist, and it, you know, if 
they were literally told like, hey, if you if you want to follow Jesus, if you if you want to be a Christian, if you want to get baptized, you know, you are not our son. You can't ever come home again. And so it's there's kind of have to have to choose yeah. what, what's it going to be. And that's that's not a choice that many of us face today, at least that clearly. And it's certainly not one that we ever hope that we will face. But um, yeah, but but specifically. When he says loving our father or mother more than we love our, and I think about the way I love my wife, or when I love the way I love my daughters, the way I love my parents, like what is he, what is he asking, what's he requiring there? It's kind of this idea that, um, that like I heard somebody describe it one time that, like you know I, growing up we had a we had we had two two dogs. Uh, Skipper and Sandy were their their dogs, I mean, and we loved them. You know, they were great. You know, Skipper was a he was a collie German Shepherd mix, and Sandy was a Sandy of the name, which is a Golden Retriever. Mm-hmm. And you know, we played with them and you know fed them and what like just loved them. They were they they felt many times like part of our our family. But if there's a situation where um, it, it was either and again these situations, I have no idea how they'd ever come up, but hypothetically, like if if there's a situation where it was either I can only either save you know my dog or my mom, <laughs> you know that would be a really easy choice. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, and I wouldn't even if I if if the price of saving my mom was that I had to that my my dog was gonna die, like that would be a very easy choice, and I, it wouldn't even feel like I had lost anything right. by losing the dog because it was just oh I, thank goodness I was able to to save my mom right. And I think that's a little bit of this idea here is that, you know, did I hate my dog? No, I, I, I love my dog. Um, but compared to my, but com- compared to my, my mom, I, I mean, you can't really compare those two things. If I said to my mom, mom, I love you just as much as I love Sandy. Like that's, that wouldn't be a compliment. <laughs> you know, that would be an insult. And I think in the same way, like we think about loving Jesus that our love for Jesus, when we really see who Jesus is, our love for Jesus compared to our love, my love for Lindsay or my love for, for, for Steve or for Cameron or for David, it looks, it makes, it makes it look like very, it's very clearly, you know, a, a lower degree of love because I love Jesus so much more than anything or anyone in the, in the world. Cameron, I see you kind of wrestling <laughs> with that and I think it's, I think we're supposed to <laughs> wrestle with it. Like, this, I guess, from a person who's maybe a, I won't say a new Christian, but maybe trying to come back to Christianity, I find that hard, hard to think about or hard to put into practice. Like, how do I love Jesus more than I love my parents or my family? I don't. I I get what it's trying to say, but putting it into practice is kind of. I don't know how to do that, <laughs> or I don't know, I'm not sure how. Yeah, how I can make that possible? <laughs> Does this mean you need to write a letter to your mom and say, "Mom"? <laughs> well, and I think that's that's good. I think honestly, if we if we read this, and and I think that's one of the awesome things about um, about reading the Bible and discussing the Bible with people who are are coming back to mm-hmm. to Christianity or who are kind of reading the Bible for the, for the first time, is that sometimes we read this passage, you're like, oh, yeah, love, you know, take up your cross, die, you know, like, lose your life, 
love Jesus more than your mom. Oh yeah, of course. Next passage. But then, you know, Cameron, you kind of make a stop and say, well, wait a minute, this is actually, this is crazy what he's talking about. And it is. And we're supposed to, we're supposed, it's supposed to have that effect on us. Right. And so I think that's, that's really good. What do, I mean, see, what do you, how do you, like, what's your kind of thoughts on it? Well, I keep, I keep thinking that this, this particular time, you know, I think Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking about how he's going to be sending them out into the world. And I can only imagine as he's talking about, he's sending them out into the world. He's then teaching them about persecution that's going to come, um, encouraging them to not have fear and basically telling them how God is watching over them. But then talking about how obedience to him will cause some rifts even within their own household. Um, and so I think, I think it's, it's just a reminder that, you know, as we, as we are seeking to follow after Jesus, um, and he's leading us, you know, that, that can also potentially cause rifts because others who are either aren't following Jesus or who just don't support what you're doing, um, that can cause a problem. And so what happens, what happens, you know, Ryan, if you're being called to go overseas and your parents are not supportive, they're saying, you do this and you're, you're taking our grandkids away. You're doing all these things, but you're, you're convicted to say, this is what the Lord's leading me to do. You know, I think this passage would, would talk about how loving Jesus to be obedient is, is by, is by following him. Even, even when it comes at the cost of, of some of those earthly relationships, um, we don't we don't see a whole lot of animosity specifically towards the Christian faith here in America. Um, if anything, it's sometimes it's more, um, you know, if there's a rift within a, a household, it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, good for you. Um, maybe I don't believe in that, but um, I don't think we experience like you believe this. what you want to believe. Yeah, I don't believe that, but hey, that's fine type of thing. Yeah, I, I don't think we experience the the depth and the divisive degree of this passage like you've kind of shared and alluded to that you've seen overseas mm-hmm. in some other contexts. Mm-hmm. To me, I think it's just so challenging to think about that he doesn't just say, he's talking about love. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he doesn't just, it, he could have said, um, hey, there'll be times where people might, you know, force you to choose between them and me and, you know, you better choose me. And there are times where he does say that, like, if you deny me before men, then I'll deny you before my father. But if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. He, so he could have said, again, that kind of North Korean dictator type of a way, like, hey, you're on my team, right? Like, you better, you better pick me if it comes down to it. Otherwise, you know, you're going you're gonna to regret it. Um, but he makes it about love, that, that he's saying that the reason that you would, uh, that if you had to make that terrible decision... Um, the reason that you would choose choose me is because you it's because of love, and it makes me think back to the passage we read before in Matthew twenty two, where he says like, you know, the greatest commandment is to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. I was just gonna say, um, how do you do that? How do you love God with all your heart? all your soul and all your mind. How do you put that into practice? Well, let me... Okay, so let me... Let's, let's talk about love first. Let's <laughs> talk about love. 
Because I think it's easy to... What is love? That's literally the question I'm about to ask. <laughs> what is love? <laughs> um, so, it, because I think, again, it's so easy to think about this as God's the North Korean dictator. Where it's like, you, you have to love me means you have to put my poster on your wall. And, you know, you have to, well, Whatever. But that's not real love, we would say. So let, let's talk, let's think about what, what love is. Do you remember the first time that you uh, used the word, the first time you told Wendy you loved her? Like, was that kind of like, because I know for, for me and Lindsay, the first time, <laughs> this is a, like, the, so Lindsay told me, it was always like a big thing growing up as, as a Christian. It's like, you know, don't just say that to, to anybody. Because right, right. It's, 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 a, it's a big word and it's going to, um, it's going to create these connections that you don't want to say that and then not be able to back it up. And I, I remember, so I was really worried, but I don't want to say I love you too soon. So Lindsay and I were dating and Lindsay, there's one night we were, we were sitting and talking and she, and she said that she, she told me she loved me. And I was just kind of like, uh, uh, well, um, uh, thank you. <laughs> um, and then later, I told her I loved her, and it was because I did, but I was so right. scared to say that because it's such a big Commitment. thing. And so maybe another way to think about it is: at what yeah. point did you first say that, and what did that mean to you? Why did you feel comfortable saying that? I, I definitely, I definitely loved Wendy before I articulated it, and I was one of those that just from a dating principle standpoint, I'm sure it would. Used to just drive her crazy, you know. I would say like, "I like you." No, I I really really like you, but I didn't I didn't want to say the L word, right? Because like you know, in the a relationship, L-O-word. the L O word. Yeah, in a relationship like that, that is it's you know that's next level. Next level. <laughs> so so I knew that I I loved her before I I even articulated it, but I think that. Um, you know, when you love someone, it's really the the desire to um, to give up anything for that person, to sacrifice for them, to um, to serve them and meet their needs. Um, and so, when you think about from a relationship standpoint with a with your spouse, um, or at that time in that in the dating relationship. Um, you know, even my, what I thought was love and still think it was love, but like our understanding of love is actually pretty immature in that stage of a dating relationship. You're, you can say, Hey, I love you, but love is not just a word or a feeling. Love really is a commitment. And, um, really in the marriage relationship, it's, it's a covenant commitment where you, I love Wendy enough to serve her, to sacrifice for her, to, um, to live my life thinking about her needs and considering her needs more important than my needs. Um, and that's part of our, part of the discipleship process for a believer is learning how do we love like Jesus? How do we love people so sacrificially that we're willing to be selfless, to be taken advantage of, or to be um, whatever the case may be. And the beautiful part of a, a, a 
the marriage relationship is that is reciprocated, right? Hopefully that's reciprocated. So both individuals love each other selflessly. But um, so for me, it was it was really uh, knowing that I loved this woman so much that I then I also felt comfortable enough to articulate it <laughs> and actually say I really really like you. Oh, and and I love you. Um, you know that was. She's gonna, she's gonna pick on me. Now. Yes, <laughs> we'll have to get her in here, her in here sometime. Yeah. Ask her. So, so three things. When I think about what does it mean to love God or to love Jesus, um, I, I would say one, which is what we've kind of been like circling around. But one is to delight in Him. Um, you look at uh, at Philippians four four. Um, and Paul is, he's in prison. He literally has given up everything for Jesus. You know, he's, he's, his status has been taken away, his, uh, his comfort, his personal freedom, his, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's cold, doesn't have his coat. Um, he's in prison and he's, you know, he's lonely. He's given up everything for Jesus. But in, in Philippians 4 verse 4, he says, um, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. And then he talks about, even though he's in prison, even though he's lost everything for Jesus, he says, he, he says in, um, earlier in Philippians, he says, you know, I've suffered the loss of everything and I count it gain. You know, he says it's for the surpassing, the surpassing uh, value of knowing Jesus. And so there's a sense in which Paul, he's given up everything, but he says it's, it's a joy. And I think for us as believers, too, we can miss this, that part of loving Jesus means that we're delighting in him. That even if our circumstances are really bad, even if sometimes Jesus says something that offends us, if we don't like it, that we have part of, you know, John Piper calls this the duty of delighting ourselves in, in God. Think about uh, Psalm 37.4. Um, it says, uh, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. So it's this: it's not enough just to kind of o- o- obey without without delighting in Jesus. He wants he wants all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. Um, the the same way that maybe like if I told Lindsay like, hey, you know, I'm I'm not going to cheat on you. I'm committed to you. But just so you know, like if I could, like I, I really I really do you know, like this person over here a lot more. Like that would be, you know, that would be incredibly offensive and incredibly unloving because part of loving is that enjoying somebody. Um, uh, and second, so number one, delighting in Jesus. Uh, number two, um, being devoted to him. Yeah, being being devoted and committed to, to Jesus. And that's kind of what, Steve, you are talking about, this idea of being willing to give up anything for somebody, and and again, it's it's not about this is love, not that we love him. It's not okay. You give up everything for Jesus, and then you're on the team. It's that well, he this starts by him giving up everything for us, mm-hmm. and then when we see how much he gives up for us, even though we're sinners, then we respond by giving ourselves completely to him, and we and that's a what Jesus says in that passage of Matthew. When we do that, we end up. When we give up everything for him, we end up finding everything, and because he is everything that we that we need. Um, but being devoted to him, being devoted to his person, um, in the sense that 
you know, I'm not like not committing adultery, not worshiping other gods, not allowing our career or our family or anything else to be more important to him, um, more important to us than him. And then also being devoted to his mission, which is that, you know, I want to, you know, I want to be a part of the things I want to be doing the things that Jesus wants me, wants me to do. Um, and then number three, let's see, uh, um, Cameron, can you read John fourteen fifteen? If you love me, keep my commandments. That it? <laughs> Pretty straightforward. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, there's there's times where Jesus says, like, you know, why do you come to me and you call me Lord, but you don't do you don't do what I say. It's yeah. this idea that, yeah, if you love Jesus, well, how somebody um, described it this way that if y- y'all heard about people talking about love languages, yeah, you know, like what's your love language? Is your love language like words of affirmation or is it you know gifts or whatever? And uh, I remember somebody talking about this verse and saying Jesus's love language is obedience. <laughs> uh, Jesus's love language is obedience, and um, but but it's like a it's. If you love him, then you will. So if we say that we love him, just like if I say, you know, uh, hey, I love Lindsay, but I'm again, I'm, I'm, I'm cheating on her. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 hypocritical. That's yeah. I'm, I'm lying, right? Or, or if I if I say I love her, but you know, I never, like, I never do anything for her. Like, I, I never take care of her. I, I never, yeah. Then then I'm then then I'm I'm, I'm lying. Um, that's just that superficial, emotional, hey, I think you're pretty type of thing. Yeah. Um, nothing else. So, okay, so these three things, kind of being being devoted to Jesus, his mission and his person, delighting in him with that joy, uh, and, then, um, and then obeying him. Kind of those three things. So with that, how helpful is that in fleshing out? You know, Cameron, you're asking, what does this look like? Mm-hmm. How helpful, and again, feel free to say it's not helpful at all, um, is that in kind of understanding what it means to love? I guess I'm stuck on the word delight. Like, what do you mean by delight? Like, it must just like jump in joy. Like, you know, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And how, I guess, how would I show delight or put it to practice? Okay, so uh, have you ever had a crush on a girl? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what What did that, how did you show that when you had, like... I'm thinking back to my high school days now. So there's a sense in which um, if somebody told me, okay, right, here's a rock. Right. We want you to delight in this rock. <laughs> like, well... Oh, it's a great rock. Oh, it's good. <laughs> you know, that, that would just be dumb because it's, I, I mean, I guess... Maybe maybe Ryan Franklin or other like geology people w- are able to delight in rocks. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, I hope he'll listen to this. But uh, <laughs> but but like, but but for me that rock is not delightful. Right. You know, so I can't I can't. It would be fake for me to say, oh, I just as long as I'm, I just my heart beats faster when I'm near this rock. Like it would just, it would be it would be dumb. But for when I think about like about Lindsay, you know, she's she's beautiful. Right. And she's kind. And she's you know, she's, she's fun to be around. Mm-hmm. And so 
part of me delighting in her is th- is thinking about her right. and looking at her and spending time with her or or kissing her or or whatever it is <laughs> like um, that that's and I think in the same way the reason when, when God says you know delight yourself in the Lord He's not saying um, you know get really excited about this rock <laughs> I think He's reminding us that Jesus is the, He is delightful right okay and, and so. When I look at a picture of Lindsay, or when I think about Lindsay, or when I hold hands with Lindsay, you know, it makes me feel things because she is, you know, she's beautiful and she's and she's delightful. And so I think, first of all, it's kind of that idea that if you, yeah, you, you have to you have to look at mm-hmm. him, you have to think about him, you have to spend time with him. Yeah, but but it's 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 hard. I mean, you know, it's not a. It's it's not a box you can check, right? And, and you have to work at it too, because it's not gonna happen overnight. So how do you? So see, when you think about with like your relationship with Wendy, mm-hmm. um, are there some ways in which you consciously kind of work at the lighting in her? There seem like an oxymoron, right? Like it's either delightful or it's work, but you know, there's. Like, but in the Bible we see commands like rejoice in the Lord mm-hmm. now. Rejoice, <laughs> you know, or or delight yourself in the Lord. These are commands. So it's things we're supposed to do, mm-hmm. but also delight is kind of this intangible thing that we can't just uh, we can't just like draw it on ourselves, right? So see, what is that? Yeah, I think that um, you know we're I mean, we're intentional about creating opportunities for spending intentional time together. That those. Just delighting happens by um, being together, spending intentional time together, whether that's a date night or just intentional um, uh, getaways or things like that. But, um, you know, there's there are I think there are some things that you work at, but there is just um, there are a lot of things that come naturally um, out of an authentic and genuine love for someone where it's by being in their presence, you you do enjoy that so there is that element of delight um so yeah i mean that's an interesting topic to think about um as you've been kind of put on the spot here cameron with some of these questions <laughs> thinking about, you let's, know let's go uh, you know uh, any any relationship um and as you get to know someone it is a lot of it is about spending time with that person yeah. right and so mm-hmm. we can know a lot of things about god but if, you know, you can know a lot of things about Michael Jordan, but you don't have a relationship with Michael Jordan, even right. if you know everything there is to know about him. Um, but you have a relationship with someone when, you're, when you are spending time with them and you have fellowship. Um, and so I think when, when we kind of talk about the discipline of time alone with God or devotions or spending quiet time, um, that is both a discipline, but it's also a, a form of, delighting in God's presence and and it's okay to be honest I think if maybe if you don't have those feelings of of joy or giddy um to say you know Lord help me desire your word help me desire those that opportunity um and and he does I think that's that's an okay thing to to recognize yeah just like any like a marriage or any I mean feelings are there is a feeling aspect of it you know it's not just about I remember the DC Talk song, you know, Love is a Verb, right? Going way back to the, 
back to my Christian upbringing. Yeah. Like, um, and, and there's a, certainly a sense where, like Jesus says here, you know, if, if love is divorced from obedience, then it's not really love. If love is divorced from service, then it's not really, really love. But also, if love is if completely, if there's no delight in love, then I think it's hard to really call it call it actual love. Like, maybe it's, Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's duty, but it's, I don't know if I can call it love. And, um, and again, it's not like Steve thinks or about Wendy or I think about Lindsay that, well, gosh, I mean, she's just such a, such a piece of work and a drag to be around. So I've got to, you know, I've, I've got to really work at this. I've got to make sure I spend some time. This is not going to be easy, but I guess we'll have to go on a date. No, it's, it's the opposite. It's like, man, she's so wonderful that she's so wonderful, but just in the busyness of everyday life, I lose sight of that. Mm. And in the busyness of changing diapers and doing homeschool and going to work and buying grit, that we can we can forget how good it is just to be together. So I'm going to carve out this intentional time, not because she's such a drag and I need to try to, to spruce her up or something, <laughs> but, but because, no, she's so wonderful I want to spend focused time with her so I can so I can appreciate again how wonderful she is. And so yeah, I think one thing we can do is we can spend we can go on a you know, we used to this thing, it sounds really cheesy when I was in China and you don't have to use this terminology, mm-hmm. but we would um we we used to encourage students to take a date with God. A date with God. Where you literally are, you're saying, "Okay, I'm going to set aside a morning or an afternoon or something, and I'm just gonna go on a long walk with God. Well, exactly, I mean, and, and and you know one of one of the really cool things about in the Old Testament we see like di- the different people it says they literally walked with God. Right. You know, like Noah walked with God, Abraham walked with God. You know, God used to go down the garden and he would walk. He would walk with Adam and Eve, and he would you know they would they would I don't know what that looked like, but they communicated. And so taking kind of carving out time and saying. You know, I'm going to, and maybe during that time, similar to the way I would look at, I would look at Lindsay and I would think about how wonderful she is and we do something we enjoy doing together. You know, I can, um, I'll think about how wonderful Jesus is. Think about what Jesus has done for me. Think about how, how beautiful Jesus is, how powerful he is, how wise he is, and then spend some time doing something fun together, like going on a run or like and, and knowing that Jesus is with us and those are his gifts to us playing baseball together yeah exactly it, it reminds me of um, I, who's the guy the chariots of fire guy who said um, there's this famous Olympic athlete probably some people know who I'm talking about Eric Waddell maybe yeah. um, who you know somebody asked him like you know why do you why do you run he was an Olympic runner mm-hmm. and he said well I run because when I run I feel I feel the joy of the Lord and because you know that that's something that God has given him the ability to do, and he enjoys God by running. What would it look like to take a date with God this week, as was just talked about? What does it look like to delight in Jesus? We hope this conversation has given you some things to think about. We'd love to hear what questions you have. We'd love to hear 
how we can help you engage this content even more. We'd love to know if you'd love to join us for a conversation. Maybe you have an idea for something we should talk about as it relates to being disciples who make disciples. We want to hear from you. This is not a one-way conversation, and we look forward to bringing you more conversations with our church body, but we would love to invite you uh, to help us shape these conversations to join us. So please uh, send us an email at info at northwestlife.org or talk to any of us. We love doing these things for our church family as a way of helping our church family, not so that we can hear our own voices, but so that we can help one another trust, love, and obey Jesus, and we hope this is doing just that. We look forward to seeing you in person. If you are a regular member of our church family, or if this has been shared with you and you are not part of the Northwest family, we would love to see you. We would love to hear from you. We'd love for you to join us as we worship at our tent every Sunday. Uh, we love for you to join up with a life group, with the friend who shared this with you, or in some way, shape, or form be connected to the family of God through a local church. We are grateful for the chance to talk with you through this medium, and we hope that you will join us next week on Episode 6 of the Disciple Making Disciples podcast series.